Section 10 of Report to the President by the Presidential Commission on the Space Shuttle Challenger Accident. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Report to the President by the Presidential Commission on the Space Shuttle Challenger Accident. Chapter 5 The Contributing Cause of the Accident, Part 3. Dr. Lucas's testimony is as follows. Chairman Rogers, would you please tell the Commission when you first heard about the problem of the O-rings and the seals, insofar as it involves Launch 51L? And I don't want you to go way back, but go back to when you first heard. I guess it was on January 27th, was it? Dr. Lucas, Yes, sir. It was on the early evening of the 27th, I think about 7 p.m., when I was in my motel room, along with Mr. Kingsbury. And about that time, Mr. Reinerts and Mr. Malloy came to my room and told me that they had heard that some members of Thiokol had raised a concern about the performance of the solid rocket boosters in the low temperature that was anticipated for the next day, specifically on the SEALs, and that they were going out to the Kennedy Space Center to engage in a telecon with the appropriate engineers back at Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, and with corresponding people back at the Wasatch Division of Thiokol in Utah. And we discussed it a few moments, and I said, fine, keep me informed, let me know what happens. Chairman Rogers, and when was the next time you heard something about that? Dr. Lucas, the next time was about 5 a.m. on the following morning, when I went to the Kennedy Space Center and went to the Launch Control Center. I immediately saw Mr. Reinerts and Mr. Malloy, and asked them how the matter of the previous evening was dispositioned. Chairman Rogers, you had heard nothing at all in between? Dr. Lucas, no, sir. Chairman Rogers, so from eight o'clock that evening until five o'clock in the morning you had not heard a thing. Dr. Lucas, it was about seven o'clock, I believe, sir, but for that period of time I heard nothing in the interim. Chairman Rogers, and you heard Mr. Reinert say he didn't think he had to notify you, or did he notify you? Dr. Lucas, he told me, as I testified, when I went into the control room, that an issue had been resolved, that there were some people at Thiokol who had a concern about the weather, that that had been discussed very thoroughly by the Thiokol people and by the Marshall Space Flight Center people, and it had been concluded agreeably that there was no problem, that he had a recommendation by Thiokol to launch, and our most knowledgeable people and engineering talent agreed with that, so, from my perspective, I didn't have, I didn't see that as an issue. Chairman Rogers, and if you had known that Thiokol engineers, almost to a man, opposed the flight, would that have changed your view? Dr. Lucas, I'm certain that it would. Chairman Rogers, so your testimony is the same as Mr. Hardy's. Had he known, he would not have recommended the flight be launched on that day. Dr. Lucas, I didn't make a recommendation one way or the other. 
but had I known that, I would have then interposed an objection, yes. Chairman Rogers. I gather you didn't tell Mr. Aldrich or Mr. Moore what Mr. Reinerts had told you. Dr. Lucas. No, sir, that is not the reporting channel. Mr. Reinerts reports directly to Mr. Aldrich. In a sense, Mr. Reinerts informs me, as the institutional manager, of the progress that he is making in implementing his program, but that I have never on any occasion reported to Mr. Aldrich. Chairman Rogers. And you had subsequent conversations with Mr. Moore and Mr. Aldrich prior to the flight, and you never mentioned what Mr. Reinerts had told you? Dr. Lucas. I did not mention what Mr. Reinerts told me, because Mr. Reinerts had indicated to me there was not an issue, that we had a unanimous position between Thiokol and the Marshall Space Flight Center, and there was no issue in his judgment, nor in mine, as he explained it to me. Chairman Rogers. But had you known, your attitude would have been totally different? Dr. Lucas. Had I had the advantage at that time of the testimony that I have heard here this week, I would have had a different attitude, certainly. Chairman Rogers. In view of the fact that you were running tests to improve the joint, didn't the fact that the weather was so bad, and Reinerts had told you about the questions that had been raised by Thiokol, at least, didn't that cause you serious concern? Dr. Lucas. I would have been concerned if Thiokol had come in and said, we don't think you should launch because we've got bad weather. Chairman Rogers. Well, that's what they did, of course, at first. That is exactly what they did. You didn't know that? Dr. Lucas. I knew only that Thiokol had raised a concern. Chairman Rogers. Did you know they came and recommended against the launch is the question. Dr. Lucas, I knew that I was told on the morning of the launch that the initial position of some members of Thiokol, and I don't know who it was, had recommended that one not launch with the temperature less than 53 degrees Fahrenheit. Chairman Rogers, and that didn't cause you enough concern so that you passed that information on to either Mr. Moore or Mr. Aldrich? Dr. Lucas, no, sir, because I was shown a document signed by Mr. Kilminster that indicated that that would not be significant, that the temperature would not be, that it would be that much lower, as I recall it. It is clear that crucial information about the O-ring damage in prior flights and about the Thiokol engineer's argument with the NASA telecon participants never reached Jesse Moore or Arnold Aldrich, the Levels 1 and 2 program officials, or J. A. Jean Thomas, the launch director for 51L. The testimony of Aldrich describes this failure of the communication system very aptly. Dr. Feynman. Have you collected your thoughts yet on what you think is the cause, I wouldn't call it of the accident, but the lack of communication which we have seen, and which everybody is worried about from one level to another? Mr. Aldrich. Well, there were two specific breakdowns, at least, in my impression, about that situation. One is the situation that occurred the night before the launch, and leading up to the launch, where there was a significant review, 
that has been characterized in a number of ways before the commission and the commission sub-panels and the fact that that was not passed forward and i can only conclude what has been reported and that is that the people responsible for that work in the solid rocket booster project at marshall believed that the concern was not of a significance that would be required to be brought forward because clearly the program requirements specify that critical problems should be brought forward to level two and not only to level two but through myself to level one the second breakdown in communications however and one that i personally am concerned about is the situation of the variety of reviews that were conducted last summer between the nasa headquarters organization and the marshall organization on the same technical area and the fact that that was not brought through my office in either direction that is it was not worked through by the nasa headquarters organization nor when the marshall organization brought these concerns to be reported were we involved and i believe that is a critical breakdown in process and i think it is also against the documented reporting channels that the program is supposed to operate to now it in fact did occur in that matter in fact there is a third area of concern to me in the way the program has operated there is yet one other way that could have come to me given a different program structure i'm sure you've had it reported to you as it has been reported to me that in august or i think or at least at some time late in the summer or early fall the marshall srb project went forward to procure some additional solid rocket motor casings to be machined and new configurations for testing of the joints now it turns out that the budget for that kind of work does not come through my level two office it is worked directly between the marshall center in nasa headquarters and there again had i been responsible for the budget for that sort of work it would have to come through me and it would have been clear that something was going on here that i ought to know about and so there are three areas of breakdown and i haven't exactly answered your question but i have explained it in the way that i best know it and well i can say a fourth thing there was some discussion earlier about the amount of material that was or was not reported on o-ring erosion in the frr's flight readiness reviews and i researched the frr back reports and also the flight anomaly reports that were forwarded to my center to my office by the srb solid rocket booster project and as was indicated there is a treatment of the solid rocket motor o-ring erosion i believe for the sts 41 c frr which quantifies it and indicates some limited amount of concern the next time that is mentioned i believe it is the sts 51 e frr in january 1985 or early in february and that indicates again a reference to it but refers back to the 41c as the only technical data and then from there forward the comment on o-ring erosion only is that there was another instance and it is not of concern clearly the amount of reporting in the frr is of concern to me but in parallel with that each of the flight anomalies in the sts program are required to be logged and reviewed by each of the projects and then submitted through the level two system for formal closeout 
and in looking back and reviewing the anomaly closeouts that were submitted to Level 2 from the SRB project, you find that O-ring erosion was not considered to be an anomaly, and therefore it was not logged, and therefore there are not anomaly reports that progress from one flight to the other. Yet that is another way that the information could have flagged the system, and the system is set up to use that technique for flagging. But if the erosion is classified as not an anomaly, it is then in some other category, and the system did not force it in that direction. None of those are very focused answers, but they were all factors. The Commission Chairman, Mr. Rogers, then asked four key officials about their knowledge of the Thiokol objections to launch. Chairman Rogers by way of a question, could I ask, did any of your gentlemen prior to launch know about the objections of Thiokol to the launch? Mr. Smith, Kennedy Space Center Director, I did not. Mr. Thomas, Launch Director, no, sir. Mr. Aldrich, Shuttle Program Director, I did not. Mr. Moore, Associate Administrator for Space Flight, I did not. Additionally, in further testimony, J.A. Jean Thomas commented on the launch. Mr. Holtz. Mr. Thomas, you are familiar with the testimony that this Commission has taken in the last several days on the relationship of temperature to the seals in the solid rocket booster? Mr. Thomas. Yes, sir, I have been here all week. Mr. Holtz. Is this the type of information that you feel that you should have as launch director to make a launch decision? Mr. Thomas. If you refer to the fact that the temperature according to the launch commit criteria should have been 53 degrees, as has been testified, rather than 31, yes, I expect that to be in the LCC. That is a controlling document that we use in most cases to make a decision for launch. Mr. Holtz. But you are not really very happy about not having had this information before the launch? Mr. Thomas. No, sir. I can assure you that if we had had that information, we wouldn't have launched if it hadn't been 53 degrees. Findings. 1. The Commission concluded that there was a serious flaw in the decision-making process leading up to the launch of Flight 51L. A well-structured and managed system, emphasizing safety, would have flagged the rising doubts about the solid rocket booster joint seal. Had these matters been clearly stated and emphasized in the flight readiness process, in terms reflecting the views of most of the Thiokol engineers and at least some of the Marshall engineers, it seems likely that the launch of 51L might not have occurred when it did. 2. The waiving of launch constraints appears to have been at the expense of flight safety. There was no system which made it imperative that launch constraints and waivers of launch constraints be considered by all levels of management. 3. The Commission is troubled by what appears to be a propensity of management at Marshall to contain potentially serious problems and to attempt to resolve them internally rather than communicate them forward. This tendency is altogether at odds with the need for Marshall to function as part of a system working towards successful flight missions, interfacing and communicating with the other parts of the system that work to the same end. 4. 
the commission concluded that the thiokol management reversed its position and recommended the launch of fifty one l at the urging of marshall and contrary to the views of its own engineers in order to accommodate a major customer chronology of events related to temperature concerns prior to launch of challenger sts fifty one l time twelve thirty six p m eastern standard time january twenty seventh nineteen eighty six key participants nasa project managers and contractor support personnel including morton thiokol event launch scrub decision is made to scrub due to high crosswinds at launch site time approximately one p m eastern standard time key participants same as above event post scrub discussion all appropriate personnel are polled as to feasibility to launch again within twenty-four hour cycle and it results in no srb constraints for launch at nine thirty eight a m twenty eighth january nineteen eighty six request is made for all participants to report any constraints time approximately one p m eastern standard time key participants kennedy space center one boyd c brinton manager space booster project mti two lawrence o weir manager srm project office marshall morton thiokol utah one arnold r thompson supervisor rocket motor cases two robert ebling manager ignition system and final assembly srm project event conversation Ware asks Brinton if Thiokol had any concerns about predicted low temperatures, and about what Thiokol had said about cold temperature effects following January 1985 Flight 51C. Brinton telephones Thompson and other MTI personnel to ask them to determine if there were concerns based on predicted weather conditions. Ebeling and other engineers are notified and asked for evaluation time approximately two p m eastern standard time key participants nasa levels one and two management with appropriate program managers and contract personnel one jesse w moore associate administrator spaceflight nasa hq and director jsc two arnold d aldrich manager space transportation systems program jsc three Lawrence B. Malloy, Manager, SRB Project, Marshall Space Flight Center, MSFC. 4. Dr. William Lucas, Director, MSFC. Event. Mission Management Team Meeting. Discussion is centered around the temperature at the launch facility and weather conditions predicted for launch at 9.38 a.m. on 28 January 1986. Time approximately two thirty p m key participants at thiokol utah one r bojali seal task force morton thiokol utah two robert eberling manager ignition system and final assembly srm project event bojali learns of cold temperatures at cape at meeting convened by eberling time approximately four p m eastern standard time key participants 
at Kennedy Space Center. 1. Alan J. McDonald, Director, SRM Project, Morton Thiokol. 2. Carver Kennedy, Director of Vehicle Assembly Building Operations and Vice President of Space Operations at KSC. For Morton Thiokol, at Thiokol, Utah, Robert Eberling, Department Manager, Ignition System and Final Assembly SRM Project. Event, Telephone Conversation. McDonald receives call at Carver Kennedy's residence from Ebeling, expressing concern about performance of SRB field joints at low temperatures. McDonald indicates he will call back latest temperature predictions up to launch time. Carver Kennedy calls Launch Operations Center and received latest temperature information. McDonald transmits data to Utah and indicates he will set up telecon and asks engineering to prepare. Time, approximately 5.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants at Kennedy Space Center. 1. Alan J. McDonald, Director, SRM Project, Morton Thiokol, Incorporated. 2. Cecil Houston, MSFC Resident Manager at KSC. Event. Telephone Conversation. McDonald calls Cecil Houston, informing him that Morton Thiokol Engineering had concerns regarding O-ring temperatures. Cecil Houston indicates he will set up teleconference with Marshall Space Flight Center and Morton Thiokol. Time, approximately 5.25 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants at Kennedy Space Center, Cecil Houston, MSFC Resident Manager at KSC, at Marshall Space Flight Center, Judson A. Lovingood, Deputy Manager, Shuttle Projects Office, MSFC. Event, Telephone Conversation. Cecil Houston calls Lovingood, informing him of the concerns of temperature on the O-rings, and asks him to establish a telecon with 1. Stanley R. Reinertz, Manager, Shuttle Projects Office, MSFC, at Kennedy. 2. Lawrence B. Malloy, Manager, SRB Project, MSFC, at Kennedy. 3. George Hardy, Deputy Director, Science and Engineering, at Marshall. 4. Thiokol Wasatch Division Personnel. Time, approximately 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants at Kennedy Space Center. Stanley R. Reinertz, Manager, Shuttle Projects Office, MSFC. At Marshall Space Flight Center, Judson A. Lovingood, Deputy Manager, Shuttle Projects Office, MSFC. Event, Telephone Conversation. Lovingood calls Reinertz to inform him of planned 5.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time teleconference. Lovingood proposes that Kingsbury, Director of Science and Engineering, MSFC, participate in teleconference. Time, approximately 5.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants at Kennedy Space Center. Stanley R. Reinertz, Manager, Shuttle Projects Office, MSFC. At Marshall Space Flight Center, Judson A. Lovingood, Deputy Manager, Shuttle Projects Office, MSFC. Plus other personnel at Kennedy, Marshall, and Thiokol, Utah. Event. First teleconference. 
concerns regarding temperature effects on the o-rings are discussed mti is of the opinion launch should be delayed until noon or afternoon it is decided that another telecon at 8.15 p.m. will be set up to transmit the data to all of the parties and to have more personnel involved. Lovingood recommends to Reinerts to include Lucas, Director MSFC, and Kingsbury in 8.45 p.m. conference and to plan to go to Level 2 if MTI recommends not launching. Time approximately 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants at Marshall Space Flight Center, Judson A. Lovingood, Deputy Manager, Shuttle Projects Office, MSFC. At Kennedy Space Center, Stanley R. Reinerts, Manager, Shuttle Projects Office, MSFC. Event, Telephone Conversation. Lovingood calls Reinerts and tells him that if Thiokol persists, they should not launch. Lovingood also suggests advising Aldrich, manager, National Transportation System, Level 2, of teleconference, to prepare him for Level 1 meeting to inform of possible recommendation to delay. Time, approximately 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants, at Kennedy Space Center, 1. Lawrence B. Malloy, Manager, SRB Project, MSFC. 2. Stanley R. Reinerts, Manager, Shuttle Projects Office, MSFC. 3. Dr. William Lucas, Director, MSFC. 4. Jim Kingsbury, Director of Science and Engineering, MSFC. Event. Conversation. Reinerts and Malloy visit Lucas and Kingsbury in their motel rooms to inform them of Thiokol concern and planned teleconference. Time, approximately 8.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key Participants At Morton Thiokol, Utah 1. Gerald Mason, Senior Vice President, Wasatch Operations 2. Calvin Wiggins, Vice President and General Manager, Space Division, Wasatch. 3. Joe C. Kilminster, Vice President, Space Booster Programs, Wasatch. 4. Robert K. Lund, Vice President, Engineering. 5. Roger Bojoli, Member SEAL Task Force. 6. Arnold R. Thompson, Supervisor, Rocket Motor Cases. At Kennedy Space Center... 1. Stanley R. Reinerts, Manager, Shuttle Projects Office, MSFC. 2. Lawrence B. Malloy, Manager, SRB Project, MSFC. 3. Alan J. McDonald, Director, SRM Project, MTI. At Marshall Space Flight Center. 1. George B. Hardy, Deputy Director, Science and Engineering. 2. Judson A. Lovingood, Deputy Manager, Shuttle Project Office. 3. Ben Powers, Engineering Structures and Propulsion. Plus other personnel. See Table, page 111. Event. Second Teleconference. Charts present a history of the O-ring erosion and blow-by for the primary seal in the field joints, including results of subscale tests, previous flights, and static tests of solid rocket motors. 
the data shows that the timing function of the o-rings will be slower due to lower temperatures and that the worst blow-by occurred on SRM-15, STS-51C, in January 1985, with O-ring temperatures of 53 degrees Fahrenheit. Recommendation by Thiokol, Lund, is not to fly STS-51L, SAM-25, until the temperature of the O-ring reached 53 degrees Fahrenheit, which was the lowest temperature of any previous flight. Malloy asks for recommendation from Kilminster. Kilminster states that based upon the engineering recommendation, he cannot recommend launch. Hardy is reported by both MacDonald and Boisjoli to have said he is appalled by Thiokol's recommendation. Reinertz comments that he is under the impression that SRM is qualified from 40 degrees Fahrenheit to 90 degrees Fahrenheit. NASA personnel challenge conclusions and recommendations. Kilminster asks for five minutes off. Time, approximately 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants, Thiokol personnel. 1. Gerald Mason, Senior Vice President, Wasatch Operations. 2. Joe C. Kilminster, Vice President, Space Booster Program. 3. Calvin Wiggins, Vice President and General Manager, Space Division. 4. Robert K. Lund, Vice President, Engineering. 5. Arnold R. Thompson, Supervisor, Rocket Motor Cases. 6. Roger Beaujoli, Member, SEAL Task Force. 7. Brian Russell, Special Projects, SRM Program Office. 8. Robert Ebeling, Manager, Ignition System and Final Assembly, SRM Project, plus other personnel. Event, Thiokol Caucus. Caucus continues for about 30 minutes at Thiokol, Wasatch, Utah. Major issues are, 1. Temperature effects on O-ring, and 2. Erosion of the O-ring. Thompson and Beaujoli voice objections to launch, and indication is that Lund is also reluctant to launch. A final management review is conducted with only Mason, Lund, Kilminster, and Wiggins. Lund is asked to put on management hat by Mason. Final agreement is, 1. There is a substantial margin to erode the primary O-ring by a factor of three times the previous worst case, and two, even if the primary O-ring does not seal, the secondary is in position and will. Time. Approximately 10.30 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants at Kennedy Space Center. 1. Alan J. McDonald, Manager, Space Booster Project, Morton Thiokol, MTI. 2. Lawrence B. Malloy, Manager, SRB Projects, MSFC. 3. Stanley R. Reinertz, Manager, Shuttle Projects, MSFC. 4. Jack Buchanan, Manager, KSC Operations for MTI. 5. Cecil Houston, MSFC Resident Manager at KSC. Event, Conversation at Kennedy. MacDonald continues to argue for delay. 
MacDonald challenges Reinert's rationale that the SRM is qualified at 40 degrees Fahrenheit to 90 degrees Fahrenheit, and Malloy's explanation that propellant mean bulk temperatures are within specifications. Time, approximately 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants, same participants as 8.45 p.m. teleconference. Event, second teleconference, continued. Thiokol indicates it had reassessed. Temperature effects are concern, but data is inconclusive. Kilminster reads the rationale for recommending launch. Thiokol recommends launch. Hardy requests that Thiokol put in writing their recommendation and send it by fax to both Kennedy and Marshall. Time, approximately 11.15 to 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants at Kennedy Space Center. Alan J. McDonald, Manager, Space Booster Project, MTI. 2. Lawrence Malloy, Manager, SRB Projects Office, MSFC. 3. Stanley R. Reinertz, Manager, Shuttle Projects Office, MSFC. 4. Jack Buchanan, Manager, KSC Operations for MTI. 5. Cecil Houston, Manager, MSFC Resident Office at KSC. Event. Conversation at Kennedy. MacDonald argues again for delay, asking how NASA could rationalize launching below qualification temperature. MacDonald indicates if anything happened, he would not want to have to explain to Board of Inquiry. MacDonald indicates he would cancel launch, since 1. O-ring problem at low temperatures, 2. Booster recovery ships heading into wind toward shore due to high seas, and three, icing conditions on launch pad. MacDonald is told it is not his concern, and that his above concerns will be passed on in advisory capacity. Time, approximately 11.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Event, Telefax. Kilminster faxes Thiokol's recommendation to launch at 9.45 Mountain Standard Time, 27th January, 1986, 11.45 Eastern Standard Time. Fax is signed by Kilminster. MacDonald retrieves fax at KSC. Time, approximately 11.30 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants at Kennedy Space Center. 1. Lawrence B. Malloy, Manager, SRB Projects Office, MSFC. 2. Stanley R. Reinertz, Manager, Shuttle Projects, MSFC. 3. Arnold D. Aldrich, Manager, National Space Transportation System Program Office, JSC. Event, Teleconference. Discussion centers around the recovery ship's activities and brief discussion of the ICE issue on the launch complex area. Reinertz and Malloy place call to Aldrich. MacDonald delivers fax to Jack Buchanan's office at Kennedy Space Center and overhears part of conversation. Aldrich is apparently not informed of the O-ring concerns. Time, approximately 12.01 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, January 28th. 
Event. Kennedy Space Center meeting breaks up. Time. Approximately 1.30 to 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants at Kennedy Space Center. 1. Charles Stevenson, Supervisor of Ice Crew, KSC. 2. B.K. Davis, Ice Team Member, MSFC. Event. Ice Crew Inspection of Launch Pad B. Ice Crew finds large quantity of ice on fixed service structure, mobile launch platform, and pad apron, and reports conditions. Time, approximately 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants at Kennedy Space Center. 1. Lawrence B. Malloy, Manager, SRB Project, MSFC. 2. Dr. William Lucas, Director, MSFC. 3. Jim Kingsbury, Director of Science and Engineering, MSFC. Event. Conversation. Malloy tells Lucas of Thiokol's concerns over temperature effects on O-rings and final resolution. Lucas is shown copy of Thiokol Telefax. Time. Approximately 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key Participants at Kennedy Space Center. 1. Charles Stevenson, Supervisor of Ice Crew, KSC. 2. B.K. Davis, Ice Team Member, MSFC. Event. Ice Crew Inspection of Launch Pad B. Ice Crew inspects Launch Pad B and Challenger for ice formation. Davis measures temperatures on SRB's external tank, orbiter, and launch pad, with infrared pyrometer. Left-hand SRB appears to be about 25 degrees Fahrenheit, and right-hand SRB appears to be about 8 degrees Fahrenheit near the aft region. Ice crew is not concerned, since there is no launch commit criteria on surface temperatures, and does not report. Crew reports patches of sheet ice on lower segment and skirt of left solid rocket booster. Time, approximately 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key participants at Marshall Space Flight Center. 1. Judson A. Lovingood, Deputy Manager, Shuttle Projects Office, MSFC. 2. Jack Lee, Deputy Director, MSFC. Event, Conversation. Lovingood informs Lee of previous night's discussions. He indicates that Thiokol had at first recommended not launching, but then, after Wasatch Conference, recommended launching. He also informs Lee that Thiokol is providing in writing their recommendation for launch. Time, approximately 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Key Participants NASA Level 1 and Level 2 Management with Appropriate Project Managers and Contract Personnel Event Mission Management Team Meeting Ice conditions at launch complex are discussed. There is no apparent discussion of temperature effects on O-ring seal. Time Approximately 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Key Participants at Kennedy Space Center 1. Charles Stevenson, Supervisor of Ice Crew. 2. B.K. Davis, Ice Team Member. 
Event. Ice Crew Inspection of Launch Pad B. Ice Crew Inspects Launch Pad B for Third Time. Crew Removes Ice from Water Troughs. Returns to Launch Control Center at T-20 Minutes. Reports Conditions to Mission Management Team including fact that ice is still on left solid rocket booster. Time, 11.38 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Event, launch. Challenger, STS-51L, is launched. End of Section 10. Recording by Maria Casper.